Have you noticed that politicians struggle to enact the things they run on? That regardless of who wins elections, lawmakers find they cannot pass whatever legislation they like. They find themselves bound by what is popular or at least their sense of it. They can only act within a narrow set of ideas, and that range is called the Overton Window. And on the Overton Window podcast, we look at issues around the country and talk to the people who change what is politically possible. Now, if you remember your old middle school civics classes, you may know that we have the separation of powers in America. The people who write the rules are different from the people who enforce them and from the people who interpret them. Except lawmakers frequently ignore that when they create administrative bureaus with the power to write, enforce, and adjudicate rules. Now, John Sanders is the director of the Center for Food, Power, and Life at the John Locke Foundation, a free market think tank in North Carolina, and has been working to put some bounds on the state's administration, uh, the state's administrative state. John, welcome. Thanks, James. All right, so that separation of powers thing has always been the an issue for me, but there are all sorts of views about the administrative state. What's yours? Oh, my view is I'm very concerned about it. Uh, You mentioned in in your intro that uh, the legislation, the legislators have have kind of abdicated a little bit. Uh, So the idea is legislators cannot be subject matter experts in everything. So they want to set policy. They want to set a, a direction and then they want to let the executive branch ex- execute. Um, and in, in so doing, they allow them to make rules um, to, to implement the legislation that they have passed. Uh, but that's where the problem comes in, is these rules can frequently extend the bounds of the power of the executive branch. Uh, they have the full force of, of law. They, they act in practice like legislation, but they're not passed by people who are accountable at all to the voters. And uh, because of the the way that the legislative branch is set up and, and all the time that it takes to get a bill crafted, passed, um, and, and signed into law, it's just much easier for bureaucrats to, to pass rules and then even if they ex- they overexceed their authority, they basically dare the legislature to come and say anything to them about it. All right. Can you explain some of the thinking for uh, for the legislators as they're setting this up? Because they have to know that um, that they're defer or they're at least grant or they're absolving themselves of their of their own power and giving it to someone else. Uh, some of the thinking is we don't want to have to get into the fine tuning of how we want to implement this broad view. So, and in that sense, I think it's okay uh, to, to have uh, these bureaucratic agencies uh, in the executive branch to kind of tinker and to say exactly um, what, what this law would mean, you know, how would we implement it? Uh, the problem gets into the bigger steps. Um, I mean, we're we're kind of seeing the 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 Naples Ultra of of the administrative state under the Biden administration. Now, the EPA is is wanting basically to outlaw uh, internal combustion engines or make it just impossible for them to to, to build them in, in the next few years. Uh, so, where where the problem comes in for me is, I think legislators sometimes don't want to tackle bigger issues that have constituencies, that, that have passions attached to them. 
they'd rather shuffle those off and, and, and slough them off onto other people who don't have to, to be directly accountable to the voters. And I think that that's a little bit of uh, political cowardice at that point. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this, uh, Rich Sampa, the, uh, new civil liberties Alliance, um, uh, had an interesting point on the on the subject, which is that legislators don't like to legislate around controversial issues because uh, this means that there have to be on a record for something that might not be popular with some of their voters. And so this allows them, this administrative state allows them to do something about an issue. Like we want to improve the environment, but it defers that popular or the possibility of doing something unpopular to someone else. So for instance, as we were talking about the, the EPA, the, we were just, or uh, they were uh, federal lawmakers were discussing banning gas stoves in America. And that was bureaucrats who were doing this, not legislators. And it seems like that's really the kind of step that if we wanted to do, we should a- ask for a legislative debate about that because that's people who would be accountable to voters. Um, whereas if you're unlike, if you are unhappy with, um, with this administrative, uh, decision to possibly ban gas stoves, you don't really have any recourse other than the comment period, I guess, or whatever process is, um, is available to voice your frustration. Right. Yeah. So your, your recourse as a frustrated citizen is the public comment period. And then possibly if you can, if you have enough money or if you can get someone to help represent you and your interests, you can go to court and then cross your fingers. Yeah. All right. But uh, North Carolina is trying to do something about this issue, though, right? What are you guys doing? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we have since uh, Republicans took over the General Assembly uh, in 2011. And uh, for those who aren't familiar with North Carolina's history, uh, Republicans never held a majority in the uh, the General Assembly for the previous 140 some or 168 depends on how you count it uh, years prior uh, it was for for decades and decades and decades uh, a, a Democratic uh, General Assembly uh, so Republicans took over and they implemented several they implemented tax reforms but uh, importantly they set a a stage for regulatory reforms and have pretty much every session done a broad sweeping regulatory reform act, Um, usually bunches and bunches of small things. But in in 2013, they passed Sunset with Periodic Review, which is a very well-regarded and highly tested uh, reform, which would basically set up all uh, regulatory rules, all rules, agency rules to, um, to be periodically reviewed. And if they're not reviewed every 10 years, that was the period set in law, uh, they would automatically sunset. Um, otherwise, as originally done, they would, the agencies would look at them and say, this is an important rule and we want to keep it. And then that would go up to a public comment period. And if no one commented, they'd say it's an, basically they would say it's an important rule without substantive public interest and it would automatically re-up. So th- this is, I know it kind of gets in the weeds, but basically about uh, five, almost two thirds, I was going to say five eighths, but, but really almost two thirds of the, of the rules ended up in that, what they call the bucket 
so they actually weren't reviewed. Um, but uh, one out of ten rules in this original process was was gotten rid of, so it was a major reform. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about the political rationale for why they'd want to uh, review and, and sunset a bunch of rules, because we've explained that there's some legislative incentives to uh, defer to ad- administrative agencies, but in this case kind of shows that there were some legislative incentives to do something about it. So why would they care to do re- uh, review and sunset? Well, uh, these administrative rules would just pile on and pile on and they'd get lost. They would, they would be in it in, in effect. They would be affecting the private sector one way or the other, but uh, regulatory agencies, when they started to review them, actually came back and said, we didn't even know these were on the books. Yeah, we don't need these. These have been, uh, the, these are moot. Uh, they've been obsoleted. Technology is taking care of it. There are lots of reasons why they, they were no longer necessary. Uh, but still, there was, uh, there was um, agency incalcitrance in wanting to not review certain rules. Uh, it, it's, it's a time, uh, it takes a lot of time uh, for them to do so. Uh, so in 2019, they were able to actually get rid of that bucket. So now the, the situation in North Carolina is either the rule is reviewed or it's automatically sunset. So, and if it is reviewed, it may still be sunset. All right. So the, um, uh, I, I guess um, well, let me try and uh, get at uh, my question another way. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, which is. Well, no, it's I want to talk about like the bounds of the Overton window again, like we have this, this, uh, this administrative state, there's a lot of reasons why this kind of an innovation that allows lawmakers to, to try and do something that protects them from having to pass unpopular legislation. There's all sorts of reasons why the federal government uh, defers to administrative agencies, why state legislators defer to administrative agencies. And, um, and this is a case where you're trying to put some bounds on the other ones, noticing some problems. Like, like you said, we have a bunch of dated rules that might not uh, apply anymore. Maybe no one's even affected by them. Uh, and, and it seems like there, sh- there should be an opportunity to, uh, to improve things by reviewing and sunsetting them. But uh, there, you could only really pass that law if people are actually skeptical of administrative rules. If, if uh, if there are enough legislators who are like, you know, there are some problems with us giving these administrative agencies blanket authority to do whatever they want. And so, like, is that what happened? Like, how did you get to the point where admit legislators are like, maybe we've gone too far? OK, OK, I understand what you're asking. Um, I think part of it was that people were there and uh, the the private sector is is increasingly encumbered by these rules, and they, they and you know, the, the federal government and the expansion of, of agency rules under the federal government, of course, is is contributing to that. Uh, it just becomes much more difficult to open a business, to conduct your business, to to do anything online, to to sell anything. Just you seem to encounter government rules all the time and, and, and you find out that these aren't laws. So I think that contributed in part to why North Carolina no longer has a democratic majority in the general assembly. But this was a sea change in North Carolina politics that we've reached this. 
and regulatory reform was one of the one of the things that uh, the legislators promised, and they have, to their credit, continued to deliver on that. Now, from my perspective, I'd like them to deliver a lot more, but uh, you know, <laughs> I have to understand the political realities of things. Uh, however, I I have to say that they they seem to understand, at least at the state level, that, that uh, things need to be done. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because that indicates a shift, at least among some places in politics, in um, in where where Republicans should go, as in Republicans are the party that's going to try and put some bounds on the administrative state. And that's very different from what it was um, you know, 50 years ago. Uh, but I do want to talk about the partisanship on this issue because, I mean, partisanship does matter. Uh, Democrats simply aren't going to take up this kind of enterprise that's going to review and sunset administrative rules, regardless of how dated, how impractical, or, uh, or, or possibly even how harmful they are. But it's more complicated than that, because the administrative state's biggest supporters are not Democrats. They're the people who are being regulated, who've had a major say in these rules. So for instance, utility companies like utility regulation. Uh, this is the game that they're playing. As long as they're able to have a big say at the table over how they're regulated, they're very supportive of, of these, these rules. Uh, and so while Democrats may be kind of sympathetic to the idea and in the general thrust of, of more regulation, it's really the people who have the biggest say in how these rules are formed that are their biggest supporters. So when you are dealing with, with, um, with trying to put um, – trying to put bounds or to do review and sunset uh, for administrative rules, uh, who are the biggest or who are the opponents of it? You make a good point uh, uh, with that. And the most intractable rules that I've seen are the ones that I've, I've kind of termed public, public choice problems. And that's when there seemed to be an agreement um, between different ideologies, uh, Republican, Democrat, uh, free market organization, um, far left organization. And, and one that I would point out especially is, is occupational licensing. That is one reform area that's wide open in North Carolina and in other states. But so far we haven't seen any movement uh, to free up occupational licensing. And from what I've heard, it's there's there's just so much special interest involved. It's like you said, the, the regulated entities love the regulation. The, the people who are in power or who are the current providers of service in the licensed fields are very good at fighting off uh, change. And, and so uh, I have actually testified alongside, before our General Assembly, alongside uh, an agency on the left that's usually completely opposed to us. And we provided very, very similar reports before the General Assembly on occupational licensing, but nothing was made because we were fighting the dedicated insiders. We weren't fighting an ideology. Yeah. And, and this, this is something that uh, is, is really on, on my beat of like what animates me about public policy is when I see public policy being used to secure someone's private advantage, as in this, 
this Republican government that we have assembled, which is supposed to be above the people, by the people, and for the people, kind of gets abused and altered to give someone an advantage at the public's expense. And that's not an especially partisan issue. And I hope that at some point on the administrative state issues, on occupational licensing especially, we can forge better um, by cross-ideological cross partnerships to say, look, this is just over the line. It's not benefiting anyone. I know Democrats are a little more, are, are more sympathetic to the idea that we can regulate occupations to protect the public health, but that's not what we've got right now. And, uh, and frankly, like the, the way that I see in the future to try and get, do better on, on this issue is to forge those cross-partisan, is honestly not, I mean, those cross-partisan ideological uh, movements, I think they're important. I think they're going to get us somewhere. But the most important thing is getting more attention to this issue. It doesn't fit a partisan narrative, so it's not, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily get as much attention, but this is public policy being used to uh, hurt the public's interest. What do you think is kind of the, the future of how we're going to get better success on administrative state issues? Well, that's one of the reasons why Sunset with Periodic Review is such an important reform is because it removes the politics out of the decision to review any, any particular administrative rule. Um, it, because it's set in law that every X year, um, the, a rule, once it's been inst instituted, will be reviewed. There's no politics involved in, in passing a law saying we are going to review rule X. That's, that's just part of the process at this point. It's not political. And so, and so the agency can check on it. And uh, it's important also because sometimes, I mean, rules can be put in for a good reason and just we'll, we'll end up with negative unintended consequences. But those negative unintended consequences can also create powerful political constituencies who want to continue that negative unintended consequence because it's benefiting them, even if it's not reaching what the rule is intended to do or, or serve the interest that the General Assembly had in, in directing the agency to come up with the rule. Uh, but because of those, those powerful interests at play and the, the lawyers that get involved and, and you know, it, it just, without this, without this, review removed from politics, it might not get looked at. Mm -hmm. uh, has the review and sunset process been removed from politics? As in, are they making good decisions uh, uh, for, uh, for the, uh, to benefit the public interest as they're going through this process? I think so overall, yes. I mean, we, we've um, cut out one out of every 10 rules, which is a pretty significant reform. Now, they continue to add rules, uh, so the, the administrative state continues apace, but uh, we, we've got something that's, that's cutting away at the back end. Uh, this year, there's, a, there's a, um, a bill before the General Assembly that would address one of, the, one of the problems, which was with that previous bucket that they got rid of that allowed rules to just be automatically re-upped, those rules weren't reviewed. So this is going to, to force them to review those previous rules that uh, had not been looked at. So um, that is something that you noticed. Um, you're bring, uh, bringing to 
um, attention to that uh, to that issue to that uh, loophole um, that avoids both uh, review and and sunset for this. But I'm I'm kind of curious. What are you doing about this issue? <laughs> well, um, in my my previous role with Locke, uh, I was the uh, regulatory policy analyst, and that uh, that's a wide wide ranging field. So. I'm researching and providing. Uh, I was researching and providing a lot of, a lot of answers for, for processes that I think would be best, uh, and try to make the case before the General Assembly and before voters too. Anyone who's interested in the the John Locke Foundation's work, uh, to make the case for why regulatory reform is is very important. Um, I proposed several several rules uh, and several reforms that I think one of the most important ones is uh, something that's known as the RAINS Act, uh, which is something that, that uh, Wisconsin has passed. Uh, I brought it before North Carolina and the General Assembly decided that, that um, it wouldn't quite fit within their legal framework. So, I've proposed something that's, that's actually very similar that's passed and working in Florida, which is legislative rules ratification. Um, what that does, and that was a form from 2010, uh, it sets a threshold for economic impact beyond which a rule could not take effect until the, the, uh, the legislature had a chance to look it over and decide to allow it. And basically it's a, yeah, this is this fits in with what we intend with this law. So it it brings back accountability for a rule to the elected representatives of the legislature, uh, but only when it's a significant, uh, economically impactful rule. Mm-hmm. And that uh, kind of deals or solves that issue that uh, one of the reasons for the administrative state is that. Hey, there are some technical things that that uh, that professionals need to figure out that maybe uh, legislators would struggle with. Although they do have the ability to get staff and experts and all sorts of other things, but that's a different different question. But this one says, okay, here's what we came up with, and then the legislature has to actually certify that, which uh, which allows them to take advantage of expert opinions and whatever benefits that might come through with the administrative rule setting process, but it also stops it from the most important thing, which is to make sure that these, uh, the rules that these um, administrators are doing are actually popular, uh, that legislators who are accountable to their voters have to say something and get on the record about their ratification. So I think that's a really clever idea. Well, and I'm sure your listeners are probably thinking, well, what about a review act? Is it doesn't the legislature already have the ability to review a rule? Um, the answer is yes, but. And the but is <laughs> that um, right now it's voluntary. And the the assumption is if the legislature doesn't take up a rule and decide to review it, that the rule will take effect. What uh, Reins Act does and what the, the legislative rules ratification does is basically turn that assumption around and turn the opportunity costs around. So that if the agency pr- produces a rule that's deeply impactful, it doesn't take effect unless the legislature voluntarily decides to review it and then allow it. 
All right, so I kind of want to talk a little more about, again, like the value that you're bringing to uh, to this debate. So you've talked about having some clever ideas that you think are beneficial and that are uh, that I assume that you also think are politically popular or popular enough to get legislators to approve them. Uh, you're making the case for you're trying to build up support and evidence um, uh, for, uh, for, for the issues that, uh, that you're talking about. I guess my question is, how do you get develop this expertise? I mean, knowing about uh, uh, regulation of industries in North Carolina is not something anyone's born with. <laughs> Well, uh, just continuing to dive into an issue whenever something would cross my plate, uh, I would just learn more and more about it. I would follow people with good ideas. Uh, I come from this from a limited government, free market perspective. So I, I am looking for ways to peel back the government to allow the private sector, which I think has a greater range of people with wonderful ideas versus a very narrow range of people in the legislature and in the uh, the executive agencies trying to solve a problem. A lot of times people will say, well, I can't think of the solution and think that, well, because I personally can't think of a solution to a problem, that means we need to send it to government. And I look at that and think that's a market opportunity. Someone else is going to come up with a solution to that problem from their perspective, from their their life view, from their um, from all of the knowledge that they have, and then they're going to make money from it, and then we as a society are going to benefit from it, um, and that beneficial for that beneficial process could be foreclosed upon if we assign it to government, and then let government go. What effect has your work had? <laughs> Well, um, I hope beneficial. Uh, I, it's hard to measure the, the effect of a public policy work, um, especially if, if, you gain, if you gauge it just by legislative wins. And we've had some. Uh, I think that over time that, that uh, my work helps open people's eyes to these, to these thoughts and considerations, um, beyond the, beyond the actual legislative wins, it's hard to tell, uh, but I'm encouraged by it. Mm -hmm. Um, how optimistic are you about, uh, reigning in the administrative state in North Carolina? I'm fairly optimistic. Uh, I've seen some, like the, the legislation I mentioned before, uh, I'm, I'm encouraged by that because, it's intuitive thinking um, from the part of legislators. I didn't say, you know, this is a problem you need to address. Uh, this is something that came from within, actually, it started with the Rules Review Commission, um, who went to the legislature and said, hey, you know, we, we've got this stack of rules that should have been reviewed and, and that weren't. And so we, we are seeing the, uh, the regulatory agency in charge of the other regulatory agencies going to the legislature and saying, Hey, we need to do our job a little bit better and cutting some of these rules and you can help. So I think that that shows uh, an understanding uh, among, among government officials that uh, things need to be done. I think that's really interesting too, because um, 
from people with, with our limited government perspective, we look at, uh, we often look at administrators as like the source of the problem. And I think a lot of administrators who are working are actually frustrated that they don't, that a lot of the rules get used to benefit someone at, at, at the public's expense. And so it's really encouraging to hear that administrators looked at this review process and said, no, there, there is some dead, uh, some dead wood that needs to be cleared in our rules. We can't adequately, um, uh, we can't adequately, uh, adequately and fairly get rid of some of these things. Uh, I guess that uh, in just theorizing about the future, that only works to the point uh, though where if you're dealing with something that is big, where someone has used these administrative rules to get an advantage for themselves, regardless of what the administrators themselves might want, I mean, aren't aren't those uh, kind of immune from the oversight and review that you're trying to provide? That's a concern that uh, they would hold on to some of the the uh, the the more deleterious rules and get rid of others. Uh, so I, I'm not sure how on this from this vantage point to be able to tell from all of those, but it's definitely a concern. Uh, but I still think that it's a, a good step in the right direction. We're at least clearing out some of the deadwood. Well, John, thank you for coming on and helping us. Uh, and good luck on your attempts to shift the Overton window. Thank you so much. I, I've really appreciated uh, the time to talk with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overton Window, a podcast from the Mackinac Center. Please subscribe and rate. For more, check us out at www.mackinaw.org. That's Mackinaw with a C, like the island.